Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. So excited to be joined uh, for our last week of Mindset by my amazing wife, who's going to be co-teaching with me. And we've had we've had a lot of fun. Um, again, I don't know if you all... Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel or jump on the YouTube channel to catch up on sermons or services or whatever. We tried something new with this series where we had some more conversation around each week, around each message. And so if that's helpful to you or if that would be helpful for you to just get a refresher from this series, um, jump on YouTube, look for Hills Church, and that's a great way. We wanna keep populating that with resources to help you in your journey of faith and just further conversation conversation because I know how it goes. Sometimes you show up on a Sunday morning, there's a, there's a few things that kind of maybe land home, but maybe there's a, um, a different angle that we get to approach it from in a conversation on a podcast type setting where we can go a little deeper in it. But this week we are, we are diving in and I got to say every time we get to do this together, I am more and more convinced that you have the hardest job on Sunday morning getting the kids out of the house. That's right. That is hard. I don't know. I mean, I have a lot of respect for all the things that you have brought to us in this Mindset series. And it's been so much fun getting to talk on the podcast together and just get to process what God is speaking to each of us individually. And so really do wanna encourage you to head on over to the podcast and check out the conversations we've just been able to dive deeper in. How does um, the talk from Sunday and the principles we're learning in scripture apply to our lives? How have we seen the faith faithfulness of God show up time and time again as we have struggled with the battle of our minds and finding victory out of the ruts of life that we have found ourselves in. And so I just want to encourage you, if you aren't um, subscribing, subscribe to that. But also, I just want to encourage you, if you're not having conversations around these messages, I would just um, want to say make time for it with your spouse, with your kids, with your friends. Um, There is something so powerful about hearing God's word and learning the context around God's word, but there's something powerful about applying it to your lives because we don't wanna just um, hear God's word. We wanna be doers of God's word. We want to actually take what we're learning and apply it. And it's in those moments that we find victory, we find freedom, we find that next step forward. So I just wanna encourage you, have those conversations with your family, your friends. Bible studies are a great place to do it. Jump into a group and um, just begin talking around God's word, what he's showing you, what he's teaching you. And hear from other people on what God's leading them to um, because it's so encouraging, it's so uplifting and um, it's really our strength and the manna God gives us every single day as we approach his word together. So I'm excited for today. I'm excited for what we're diving into. Do you wanna open up with the verse that we're gonna be talking about? Yeah, actually, why don't you read it? Okay. You wanna read it? I'm gonna throw you on the spot like that. We're gonna change it up from first service. Um, So we are gonna find ourselves in Psalm 23. So if you have a Bible or your Bible app on your phone, you can open it up to Psalm 23. And we'll talk a little bit more about the context of this verse, but you might be familiar with it. You might've heard this a time or two, but just stick with us as we read through it. It is a Psalm of David, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, Psalm 23 I've been a pastor, I've been in ministry for 14 years at this point, coming up on 15 years. And so many times, this passage of scripture, um, I've used it to comfort those who are walking through some of the hardest things of their lives. I have read this, I have prayed this over people in hospitals, in hospice situations where people are facing um, either end of life situations or uh, some situation that is beyond their control, out of their control, feels like it's out of their control. And this passage has been used by pastors and Christians for, I mean, it's no exaggeration to say thousands of years to bring comfort to those who are in tough spots. And sometimes with a psalm or a passage of scripture like this, it can be really easy to breeze through it, be like, man, I, I've heard that read at funerals. I've heard that psalm. You know, I've, I, it was on the, uh, the, the stitching of the quilt at my parents' house or my grandmother's house when I was a child and I went there. So I'm familiar with the words, but how does this really apply to our lives? And the thing that struck me as we were talking through it this week is especially as it relates to mindset and the battle of the mind, what I wanna say is this. Psalm 23 is not just about the valley of the shadow of death and how God gets us through that. It's not just about dying. It's not just about the end of life. Psalm 23 is actually about living. How do you live in the fullness of all that God has for you, whether you are led by God into green pastures by still waters? And man, I pray that you have a season like that sometime soon. If you're not in that now, we go through seasons in life. Amen, somebody. Sometimes good seasons, sometimes rough seasons, sometimes green pastures and still waters. Sometimes I'm in the valley of the shadow of death and I'm surrounded by enemies. God, get me out of here, right? Life is a mixture of both of those things. But what Psalm 23 is gonna teach us today, especially as we think about the battle of the mind, it's gonna teach us that this journey called life, this journey that you and I are living called life is actually lived in the valley of the shadow of death. The reality of life in a broken world is whether we wanna think about it or not, whether we wanna even acknowledge it or not, there is a reality called death that is coming for all of us. And the truth is now, right here and now, can we experience the goodness and the faithfulness and the favor and the mercy of God in the midst of the seasons of our life when we're facing, man, the unique seasons of difficulty and trial and trouble? or the seasons of blessings and peace. And so as we go through this, there's, there's three different um, aspects of God that we're gonna look at. Number one is God as our shepherd. Number two, God as our guide. And number three, God as our host. What does it mean for God to be our host? Because all three of these are covered in this psalm. And I think 
probably the funniest one right off the top is the fact that David, check this out, king of Israel, he started as a shepherd. David was a young shepherd boy when God called him and anointed him as king of Israel. So he understands the dynamic between shepherd and sheep. And he opens this psalm with a very simple statement. He goes, the Lord is my shepherd, which David is calling himself a sheep. I don't know if you know much about sheep, but a shepherd definitely knows a lot about sheep. If you wanna understand sheep like in their fullness, we have a video, it's a tutorial video on what goes on in the mental illnesses of sheep, the mental health battles of sheep. I was a joke, it was a terrible joke, it didn't land. Check this video out, it's way funnier than I am. So here we go. And there he goes. And there you have it, okay? If you wanna know anything about sheep, that is the best picture. I, I did some research this week because I was like, okay, if God is my shepherd and I am one of the sheep of his pasture, of his flock, um, I should probably get acquainted with uh, the personality of a sheep. What, what are sheep like? And so I found some funny facts about sheep this week. Um, sheep have what's called a mob mentality. Have you guys ever heard this? They have a mob mentality. They actually adopt the thinking of their fellow sheep around them. And so whether or not they um, are following a sheep with a good mindset or a poor mindset, they can't distinguish the difference. They're just influenced by the sheep around them. So they will follow another sheep off a cliff. They will follow another sheep into a raging water. They aren't able to think very well on their own. Um, they have limited problem solving skills, believe that or not. Um, they cannot deal with complex problem solving tasks compared to other animals. They can't get themselves out of the ruts that they get themselves into. Um, they have limited memory. They might not remember paths or locations that they frequently taken, so they get lost easily. They're vulnerable to predators, which I think all of us know that about sheep. They can't defend themselves. They have no defense mechanisms um, compared to other animals. And let's see, they are lack of adaptability. Anybody relate to that? Um, they can be easily stressed by environmental or slight changes in schedule, right? So they get all flustered and out of sorts if uh, their environment changes up at all. Um, but the number one thing that I first think about when I think about a sheep and God as my shepherd is that they depend on human intervention for protection, for feeding, and for direction. So, as we come here this morning, I know it's not nice to start out with a talk about how we're all sheep. I know that's not what you came here for. You didn't come to be called a sheep. You didn't come to be compared to sheep. But I think what David is saying in this Psalm, which is unbelievable, is he's giving us a framework of our relationship with God. He's giving us a framework to work within. He's basically trying to make the point that sheep are utterly and completely dependent on the shepherd. They are utterly and completely dependent on the shepherd. And friends, we are talking about King David. David wrote this Psalm most likely when he was a king, not when he was a shepherd out in the fields. Like he had, he had defeated Goliath. 
Come on. He had defeated the Philistines. He had led Israel into one of the most prosperous seasons in the in nation's history. Um, he was successful. He was wealthy. He was powerful. Friends, this man, David, was basically saying, Lord, you are my shepherd. I need your help. I need your help. He acknowledged his need for God. He acknowledged the fact that he needed the Lord to lead him and guide him. Though he was powerful and he was king and he probably thought a lot about himself, he needed the Lord to lead him and guide him. He needed the Lord's protection. He needed um, the Lord, he says in here, to restore his soul. He needed the Lord to sustain him, to give him rest, for him to find peace. And what I love about this psalm is it's not just indicating or giving us a picture of his relationship with God. It's an invitation from God saying, this is the kind of relationship he wants to have with us. This is the kind of relationship that he is inviting us into today. As we were reading over the scripture this week, I felt so strongly that the Lord was saying to every single one of us in this room, he was saying, I want to be the shepherd of your life. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you worn out? Are you in a difficult situation? I wanna meet you there. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to protect you. I want to sustain you. I want to strengthen you. I want to feed you. I want to show you where um, to get your sustenance and um, the source of your strength. When we get the mindset that we're the one leading our lives, friends, we get it wrong. The Lord is inviting us beside still waters today. He's yeah. inviting us into green pastures. He's saying, I want to set a table for you of rest and restoration in the presence of your enemies in those most difficult circumstances. Will you give me that? Will you surrender to me today? Will you let me be your shepherd? That is what David is showing us in this Psalm. So the first, the first paradigm that we have of the Lord in this Psalm is God as our shepherd, as Jesus as our shepherd. And it reminded me as we've gone through our series on mindset, we've talked about the battle of the mind and how there is a spiritual component to this battle of the mind. Yes, we are all born with, with certain tendencies or propensities towards anxiety, towards fear, towards anger, impatience. We're a product of the environment that we were raised in. We're a product of the culture that we live in. There's a lot of things that impact what we think about, um, the way our minds are wired, and in addition to that, our own sinful tendencies where we, we form these ruts in our minds along the path of least resistance where we say, gosh, I have been through some version of trauma. I've been through some version of pain and brokenness in my life. And whenever I get triggered, whenever I come up against this thing again and again and again, I have a tendency to go towards my ruts that I know will work for a little bit. Maybe they'll, they'll solve the issue for a minute or calm me down internally for a minute or calm my mind down internally, but it's not a long-term solution. 
to what we're facing. And in John 10, verse 10 to 12, Jesus says this. So how do you define? There's this powerful verse here, uh, verse five in Psalm 23, where it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, how do we define enemies? What does that mean, right? John 10, 10 to 12, I think does a really good job of that. It says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, this is Jesus speaking, I have come that, that they may have life and have it in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the good shepherd and the sheep are not his own. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf pounces on them and scatters the flock. So an enemy that you might be facing could be internal, it could be external. It could be something that you're battling in your mind. It could be a stronghold in your mind that you know is leading to destruction in your life. An enemy is anything that you're facing spiritually, internally, emotionally, among the relationships in your life that is stealing something from you. It's stealing your joy. It's stealing your peace. It's stealing something important in you. Um, it is causing death. It's killing things like relationships. It's killing your soul. It's killing things that matter to you. Um, or it's just wreaking havoc, causing destruction, right? And this can be addictive behaviors, uh, self-destructive habits, certain relationships in our lives that we know, man, this, is, this, this friendship, this association, this relationship is no longer healthy or good for me. And you have to identify the enemy may not always be that person or that person that holds that opinion of you. It could just be the fact that the way you respond to that person in that moment, in that situation is destroying some part of your life that is not good. Right, And so understanding God as our shepherd, what we have to say is this, all of us are following one shepherd or another, all of us. And sometimes that shepherd is you and me. We think we are the wisest and the best and those who are most capable of solving all the problems in our life. And here's the truth. You're an image bearer of God. God has given you wisdom. He's given you strength. Yes, there is a measure to which um, we have full responsibility. We are not just victims of our circumstances. We aren't just helpless to do anything at all. That's not what David is saying. That's not what we're saying. What we are saying is this. If you see yourself as the ultimate leader and solution to the deepest problems in your life, especially the ruts that you can't seem to get out of, if you see yourself as the shepherd in all situations, friends, I'm just gonna ask you the question, how's that working out for you? I mean, at the end of the day, there are certain things. Now, we're not even talking salvation here. We're just talking that the issues that we're dealing with in our life, if you're trying to earn your salvation or earn your way into heaven, that can't happen at all. You need a savior. You need a shepherd named Jesus. He's the only one that can lead you through death and bring life on the other side. But when we're just talking about the reality of the ruts and the middle battles that we face on a weekly and daily basis, friends, at some point you are going to come to the end of yourself. And you're gonna need to say, God, I need you. 
And I need some trusted friends and others around me to get out of this, to get through this, because I can't do it on my own. I find myself returning to these same things over and over and over again. And either we will be the shepherd of our own lives, or we will find a podcast or an influencer or somebody that speaks to us and maybe brings us some help and guidance in some area, and that's all fine. But ultimately, at the end of the day, what you need to acknowledge deep in your soul and where you need to bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is to say, Jesus, I need you as my shepherd. If King David, arguably one of the most successful, influential men in history, was humble enough to say, God, I need you, it's not too much for you and me. And that's the beginning of transformation. That's the beginning of freedom as we face the battles of our minds. So number one, God is our shepherd. Number two, God is our guide. In this passage, you'll notice over and over and over again in Psalm 23, it says things like this. I'll read a few verses. Verse two, he leads me beside still waters. He leads me or guides me. He restores my soul. He leads me or guides me in paths of righteousness or in the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the fascinating thing about what he just said. He's talking about the leadership of God as his shepherd. And he's talking about even here in the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. In other words, who led him there? The shepherd, the good shepherd. God didn't say, oops, I didn't, I didn't mean for us to get here. Let's go back to the green pastures and the, and the still waters. It was like, no, even here, I'm gonna prepare a table for you in the presence of your, even here, I'm gonna do something amazing and remarkable in your life. A quick story, and then I, I want you to jump into this because you've got some awesome stuff on this, but have you ever had a guide a tour guide, or maybe if you've been hiking or climbing a mountain, you've had somebody who's showing you how to do it because they've done it so many times before. I'll never forget one of my closest friends that I went to seminary with, a guy named Jeremy. He lives up in the Pacific Northwest. He's a certified mountaineering guide on Mount Rainier. He's a phenomenal rock climber. Whenever I go on an adventure with Jeremy, whether it's like a hiking, a backcountry trip, or like climb a mountain, I always know like I'm going to be doing things that are way outside my comfort zone. And if I wasn't with him, I would never try them. And there's always at least one or two situations where I'm like, bro, time out. Are you sure? Have you been this way before? Because where you're saying that we should go, I'm just, you know, I'm giving it the old eyeball test right here and I'm just gonna let you know, that looks dangerous. That looks death-defying and terrifying. And he goes, trust me, that's the best path. If we go around the other side, it's way worse. If we try and cut up through the middle, it's way worse. The safest way to the top is right here. And look, we're gonna rope in, we're gonna this, that, and the other. I'm gonna show you where to put your steps and we're gonna get to the top safely because I've done this 10 times. I know the way. I'm actually gonna tell you what to hold on to and where to put your foot. Trust me on this one. Friends, we need guides like that. We need people that have been the way that we need to go who can show us exactly how to get there safely. Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. As we were reading this, um, I think so oftentimes, 
I read the beginning of that. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Like, why wouldn't I just lie down in the green pasture? Like, he actually knows when I need rest. And I think as a mom, as a wife, being in... uh, in school again and work and all those things. So oftentimes I think when I'm in seasons of green pastures, like I know what I need. I know when to sit, I know when to stand, I know what I need, um, how much of that time I need. But it's so amazing that God is like, hey, even in the green pastures, you need leadership. Even in those good seasons, when things seem to be going your way, I'm still in control. I'm still leading you, I'm guiding you. I'm telling you when to sit down, when to stand up, when to move forward. And I thought it was so crazy that we see the picture of the leadership of God, not just in the green pastures, but again, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And you kind of mentioned this a second ago, but it was like an aha moment for me because we believe as Christians that God is sovereign, that he is in full control, that he, um, that nothing is gonna come against us that he's not aware of. But so oftentimes I feel like we get in these valleys um, of difficulties, of strongholds, these ruts. And so oftentimes we're surprised by them. Like we didn't see them coming or we thought we were stronger. We thought we had what it takes um, to get through them. And God is saying, hey, in the green pastures, I am sovereign. I am Lord of your life. But also in the valley of the shadow of death, when you are up against a rock in a hard place, like I am leading you, I've got you. I'm sustaining you. I'm providing for you. I am your strength in those seasons. I am the one that's there to help you. And it's just so, amazing that he says, I will fear no evil because God's presence is with me. And anytime we've ever gone out into the mountains or um, trail running, I know you love trail running. I'm not a trail runner so much, but um, so oftentimes I find comfort in the fact that you have pretty good directional ability in the woods, whereas I don't. But then when we try and drive to church, he's like on 50 going down to Sacramento. Like his, his directional abilities on the roadways are, are challenging, but I can trust easy. you. Easy, I know. Um, I just had to take one shot. And, but when I think about the Lord as guide that he has been through every season, he knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly when we need to stop and rest. He knows exactly when we need to lay down, get up, move forward. Um, He is going to sustain us. He's gonna strengthen us. He's going to see us through, um, whether it's the green pastures or it's the valley of the shadow of death and his rod and his staff, he's protecting us. He is guiding us. He's pulling us near him. It's his presence that brings us comfort. Now, I love that God is not just our shepherd. And we see in Psalm 23 that he's not just our guide, but he also declares himself as our host. If you look at um, verse five, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And I always find um, that this verse trips me up because when I think about hosting dinner or I think about hosting a holiday meal, like it's not in the presence of my enemies I'm thinking about hosting a meal. Like that's not the time or the place for me to sit down and rest and enjoy. And indeed, God is saying, hey, even in the middle 
of the difficulty you're going through, whether that's an external enemy, whether that's somebody that um, is seeking to undermine you, whether that is something in your thought life that is undermining um, your way forward, is getting you in a rut. When I think about what David is trying to say here, it was like his experience of God. His experience of God was so powerful in that season, in the the shadow of the valley of death, that he could actually recognize there was a table there for him to feast. There was something God wanted to give him in that moment, in that difficulty, um, in that circumstance. There was an invitation for him to sit down, to set his eyes on God to let God lead him and guide him and sustain him. And there was something you brought up that was so amazing as we were preparing this. Would you share that just about? Yeah, I think this is huge because that, that picture that you're talking about right now, the whole idea of, Lord, I thought you meant to say like in your presence, you would prepare a table for me, not in the presence of my enemies. Can you imagine something more vulnerable than sitting down at a table surrounded by your enemies. Like, I mean, it'd be so unnerving just to, just to sit there and God saying right here in the midst of the battle of your mind, in the midst of these struggles, in the midst of the area of your life that is the absolute worst area of your life, the stronghold that you feel like, I'm never gonna get through this, the valley that you think, I'm never gonna survive this, the situation where you're surrounded on all sides, you see no way out, and God goes, actually, I know you're really looking forward to the green pastures and the still waters, and yep, there'll be a season when we get there again, but don't miss what I wanna do right here. And so much of winning the battle of the mind, friends, so much of winning the battle of the mind is the ability to find God's table that he's set and prepared for you in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. And it's right there, actually, where God wants to do the greatest work in your life. You see, one of the things that we've thought a lot about is we can't lead anybody further than we've gone ourselves whether you're trying to lead them up a mountain or you're just trying to help them through a season of life, if you've not had to journey through some debilitating stronghold in your life, so often we think, wow, this is the one thing that's just gonna disqualify me from helping anybody. No, actually, it's the one area where God is going to bring freedom as you surrender and submit to him. It's the one area that you're gonna experience the goodness and the mercy and the the deliverance of God Who knows how long that may take it. It's gonna be a journey. But as you find freedom from that, God's like, this is where I set the table for you. This is where I wanna encounter you and meet with you and bring my goodness into the midst of your struggles so that once I've walked with you out of this valley and you you found peace again and you have found the nourishment and the restoration you're looking for, you're gonna be able to lead others there too. And How powerful is it that, again, that picture of sitting down with the Lord, and I almost just picture the Lord looking at you or me in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death when we are surrounded by our enemies, when we are up against it, we think there's nowhere to go, there's no way forward, and the Lord just says, Jonathan, Lindsay, sit down. 
I got a table for two right here. I'm with you right here. Don't worry about all that. I know they're there. I'm not worried about them. I mean, think about our father, our heavenly shepherd. He's never been threatened in his life by anything or anyone. The only time he was ever vulnerable is when he made himself a man and he became vulnerable on purpose so that he could die on purpose in order to overcome death for you and me. Even all that was perfectly within his plan. The sovereign God, the creator of the universe, has never been threatened by anyone or anything and will never be threatened or afraid for his life because he is unconquerable, invincible. He is the sustainer, creator of all things. So when you sit down at that table with him, it doesn't matter who's around you. He's like, eyes right here. Don't worry about it. My rod and my staff, they'll take care of all this. I need you to focus on the table I've prepared for you in this moment, not on what's happening on the enemies. And trust me, we're gonna make it through this together. Come on, preach it. So that's, good. That's, your, your next part's better. Go ahead, close no, this out. <laughs> I, I feel like you kind of took my next part, but that's great. No, I love, I love this so much because friends, anytime you're reading the scripture, so oftentimes we think, oh, Jesus is just in the New Testament. But if you know how to read your Bible, you know Jesus is Old Testament to New Testament. He's from Genesis to Revelation. The word, God himself, Jesus incarnate, like the word of God, John 1, 1, 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's so incredible because we can see Jesus in Psalm 23 because Jesus entered into the valley of the shadow of death. His incarnation, God coming as Jesus, the, the second part of the Trinity, coming into our world, into the valley of the shadow of death, being surrounded by all his enemies, as Jonathan was just saying, they were no match for him. And on the cross, in that moment, and through his resurrection, he prepared a table of salvation for every single one of us. And on that table, he put mercy, he put forgiveness, he put grace, he put eternal life, he put his unfailing love, he put hope on the table, he put peace on the table so that when we face our valley, when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, we cannot look at ourselves, but we look at our shepherd and he, through his strength and through eyes fixed on him at the table, we can partake. We can find that hope for ourselves. We can find that peace, that strength, that restoration for our souls. You see friends, he took all the condemnation that we deserved. He took upon himself the death that we deserved. He silenced the enemy of our souls, the greatest enemy of our lives, the one who is behind the brokenness of this world. He overcame him. And the reason we can trust him is because he actually once and for all conquered him on the cross and through his resurrection. And now we too are afforded by faith in him, by trust in him through his leadership 
as we surrender our lives in faith to him, we too know that that hope, that peace, that forgiveness, that grace is now ours in Christ Jesus. And no matter what we come up against, there is resurrection on the other side. No matter with what we're facing, he will see us through. He will get us through. But if we trust in our own strength, if we try and shepherd our own lives, friends, we will be in lack. The first verse, David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What is he saying? He's saying, with God as my shepherd, I lack nothing. He is my source, my provider, my healer, my sustainer, and he will see me through this battle, even death itself. There's nothing that can separate us now from Christ Jesus. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. And then he says, sorry, let me close with this. No, go for it. One more thing. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If in that place, in our darkest valley, God is victorious in us, then there is nothing we will ever face that will compare to his goodness and his mercy. It will be readily available for each and every one of us, for every marriage, every relationship with our children, with our friendships, um, our work relationships, anything we go through, there will be provision. He will lead us in the right path forward. If we trust in him, we surrender to him. There is abundant life. What a gift. Psalm 23 battle of the mind, come on. He is so good. Friends, our, our prayer for you as we wrap this series up is that you would learn to find the table that God has set for you. You'd look for it, even in the tough seasons, even in the valley of the shadow of death, even in those moments where you feel like there's no way God can be here in the midst of this. Lord, I don't, I don't know the way forward. And the Lord is reminding you today, look for the table. It's, I've, I've, I've said it with everything you need. And, and you just gotta take your seat. It's prepared, it's ready to go. I've set the table for you. I know you're really focused on all the stuff you gotta deal with and all the enemies in your life and all the stuff. You, just take your seat, and look at me, eyes on me. And so friends, that's our encouragement to you. We're actually about to take communion as we do every single week. And if you didn't get this on your way and you can, you can get it just outside the doors of any of the main entrances of the auditorium. But the beautiful thing is this, the last table, think about this, the very last table that Jesus set for his disciples before he went to the cross was the last supper. And it was there at the Last Supper, he, he pulled out a loaf of bread, he took a loaf of bread from the table, he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. They had no idea what that meant. They had no idea what was actually about to happen to Jesus, the one that they were hoping was gonna overthrow the Roman Empire. He goes, I'm about to be broken like this piece of bread for you. And every time you take this meal and you eat this bread, remember that I died for you on a cross. And then he, he brings out the wine and he says, this wine, it represents the blood that is gonna be shed for you. I'm about to be 
killed on a cross and my blood is gonna be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Therefore, every time you eat this bread and drink this wine, do it in remembrance of me. And I know that this is a sorry excuse for bread and wine. (laughs) The juice and the cracker, right? But the point is, There is no loaf of bread or glass of wine that could ever fully encapsulate what Christ has done for us. This is just a little reminder as we gather together of the feast that was prepared for us by Jesus on the cross of mercy, forgiveness, of unfailing love, of eternal life, of all the things that's offered to us. So friends, if you've never taken your seat at the table, if you've never taken that step of faith in your life to put your trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, We're gonna have prayer teams back at these prayer walls um, that would love to pray with you, would love to walk you through that journey of salvation to pray with you. If you have any other prayer requests about the valleys or the battles that you're facing, please fill out those prayer requests and put those in the wall. We pray over those every week as a team. But right now, we're gonna take communion together and we're gonna remember what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Friends, let's take communion together. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.